Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked on LSU podcast. It is Thursday, March the 19th. Hope you are making the best of a, a really bad situation from a sea to shining sea. But we'll be here for you uh, as we can be and tend to be here every day. But as you might understand, with so many people and so much uncertainty with the coronavirus uh, pandemic, that's um, some days it just might be difficult. But uh, there is a lot to get to today. Greg Sankey has updated sort of the state of the Southeastern Conference amid the coronavirus shutdown. Uh, we also... Uh, Know that the uh, Will Wade tapes are going to be played in an HBO documentary. I want to react to that. And uh, NFL free agency in full swing. It is affecting uh, some former LSU Tigers. We'll get to all that here on the Locked on LSU podcast. Let's begin, though, with Greg Sankey, who spoke with the media and in part uh, spoke about the eligibility question for athletes who have lost their season and Sankey's feeling is that it should not be the eligibility uh, relief should not just be limited to seniors. Uh, I do want to say I don't think this is simply a senior issue. You know, everybody in our programs, particularly spring sports, had their season disrupted. So my encouragement is we take a broad look uh, at, at what type of opportunities we offer going forward. So, and I, I completely agree with him, by the way. And that does make things cumbersome. If you're talking about giving four classes an extra year of eligibility, then that means the the ramification, the reach of this cancellation extends beyond just the 2020-2021 academic year or in an athletic year, but for four years and potentially five if you're talking about a, you know someone who might take a redshirt year. So. That's sticky, but it's also the right thing to do. If a freshman this year had a year of eligibility unnecessarily taken from them, they should get that year back. Um, he did. By the way, Sankey did clarify this. The cancellation, which was announced yesterday of spring sports, um, does not mean that spring practice is done. It, it does not uh, apply to spring practices at this time, and I think that's the important qualifying phrase we have said no athletic activities through april 15th that doesn't mean we'll be back to normal or to to practice activities april 16th it was just a date certain that allows our administrators to communicate with our coaches our coaches with their student athletes and it has resulted in in the departures from campus if you look at uh, the national public messaging about no gatherings above 50, certainly difficult to conduct any football practice under that limitation. And even with smaller numbers that have been communicated, 10 is often referenced, uh, thereby making it impossible into May, as has been stated. So I'm not going to be overly optimistic about the return to practice. We haven't fully foreclosed that opportunity, but I think practically that window is pretty narrow. So... Narrow window to return to spring practice, but not entirely closed. And my feeling on that is going to be, this is a, it is the right thing, in my opinion, for Greg Sankey to do to keep that window open, the possibility open, because the possibility does remain. If the CDC is is recommending an eight-week period of of these uh, enforcements of, social distancing and whatnot, that would take you to mid-May. 
from mid-March to mid-May. If mid-May is reasonable to resume, then why not give college football teams the option of having a a two-week, three-week long spring practice through May or maybe even into into June if they're there during summer? Uh, And then you'd have June and July off before you reported for fall camp. Look, Major League Opening Day was scheduled for a week from tomorrow, and it got moved back to mid-May. If Major League Baseball is targeted mid-May, why couldn't spring football resume? I mean, and if you're wondering about extending beyond the semester, well, baseball does that. I mean, the the baseball regular season, the SEC baseball tournament was scheduled for May 19th through May 24th. Every year, every year in college baseball, the season extends beyond the spring semester. There's always that point where guys, they always say it's almost like being a pro where you don't have to go to class anymore and it's just you eat, drink, live, breathe, sleep, baseball every day. Well, what's the problem if spring practice extended a little beyond the semester and you had an opportunity, provided the coaches wanted it, which I'd assume they would, what's the problem with doing that and then you're pushing back the the rest of the calendar a, a, a few days, a few weeks, whatever it may be? I I would say absolutely you leave that door open and the possibility of having spring football because if you can do it, Coaches are going to want those practices. Like we talked about yesterday, in particular, the the schools that have new head coaches, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Missouri, Arkansas. That's just in the SEC. Schools that have new quarterbacks. You don't think Miles Brennan would benefit from 15 spring practices? You don't think the LSU offense with a new passing game coordinator, no Joe Brady, so much turnover on defense, new defensive coordinator coming in. You don't think LSU would benefit from having those 15 practices so come fall they could hit the ground running? I think you give them the option, they'd absolutely take it. Uh, the one other thing that Sankey said, uh, can you play seven, please, Musso? Um, this was Sankey talking about the SEC media days, which is scheduled for July, mid-July in Atlanta. I'm going to be half full right now, Tony, and, and say uh, we're full steam ahead on our Atlanta planning for media days. Uh, last uh, Thursday morning, I was full steam ahead on playing a basketball tournament and was disrupted. So we're going to prepare for disruption, but we're going to plan as if in July we'll have the media day's opportunity uh, as scheduled. And that's the best answer I can give you at this moment. So that, at least on its face, for me is really good news because it gives you, if nothing else, like Major League Baseball saying mid-May, SEC saying we're full steam ahead for media days in July. It, at least in a, a time of uncertainty, God, at least it gives us a target, doesn't it? I mean, at least you're like, okay, we're not just, you know, jellyfish just floating through the ocean indefinitely. Like, we have a target that we're aiming for, which we hope is mid-May. Maybe it's a little beyond that. The, the Olympics are planning to move forward mid-July. So there are things in the not-too-distant future that are still planning on going, whereas summer in, the NBA is indefinite. College sports for spring is canceled. The, a lot of that weighs on you about, about the indefinite nature of things, but at least we have a target for some things that might resume and get back to normal. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Last year around this time, of course, uh, LSU basketball was very much in flux for a very different reason. Will Wade was suspended amid LSU's postseason run because of the story that was percolating amid the uh, FBI investigation and the rumored uh, uh, FBI phone call tapes uh, of conversations allegedly between Will Wade and Christian Dawkins, who was a runner, a runner for a sports agent, uh, Andy Miller, and he was trying to you know, start his own fledgling sports agency. Well, there's an upcoming documentary on HBO called The Scheme. It's going to be broadcast March 31st, so a couple of weeks. Uh, HBO, it was supposed to debut this week at South by Southwest in Austin, but South by Southwest was canceled because of the coronavirus pandemic. And so the um, the film, a copy of the film, a screening copy of the film, was provided to ESPN and other media outlets on Tuesday. So a few things uh, herein. It focuses on Dawkins' role in the government's three-year investigation into college basketball corruption. They uh, do include in the documentary audio of telephone calls that were captured by the FBI wiretaps on Dawkins' cell phone. That includes calls with um, Andy, uh, excuse me, Sean Miller, the head coach at Arizona, Book Richardson, who was a an assistant coach there under Sean Miller at Arizona, and with Will Wade. So these are the um, the FBI tapes that had been. Uh, written about now we will and the audio had been played in federal court but was deemed inadmissible and was um uh, we have not yet heard these tapes as of yet until now so and it is worth noting that christian dawkins is featured in this hbo documentary like he's interviewed in it he's com- complying with it so that would lead you to believe he was paid to be a part of this that's an assumption i'm making but it stands to reason when things like this happen if you're Christian Dawkins, the only way you're going to cooperate is if you're being compensated to cooperate. You're not going to tell your side of the story for free. Anyway, so I'll read briefly what's what's revealed in this. Uh, in a, another call, Dawkins, Christian Dawkins, asked Sean Miller if Arizona was recruiting five-star forward Nas Reed, who eventually signed with LSU and played one season for the Tigers. Quote, we're not even bringing him in on a visit, Miller says. He's not even visiting. That's all expletive. Like, I'm looking at our recruiting board. He's not even on it. I've never talked to the kid. He probably just said, you know what? Bleep you. I don't want 75. I want 120. I may go to Arizona. That's all that was. So essentially, that recording is of Sean Miller saying, we're not recruiting Nas Reed. He's playing y'all for more money. So Dawkins continues... And Will Wade, I told Book, Book Richardson, I said, Will Wade is like driving up the price of players because he's not even doing, like, real numbers. Miller said, quote, I'll tell you what, I give him credit. He's got a big set of balls on him. No, Will Wade doesn't give an expletive, Sean, Dawkins replied. So that is Sean Miller and Christian Dawkins discussing Will Wade. 
film also includes audio of a lengthy telephone call between Wade and Dawkins. This is the strong-ass offer uh, conversation. So in its entirety, that conversation apparently is in this documentary. Um, Wade has denied ever doing business with Dawkins. Uh, In the film, Dawkins even applauds Wade for avoiding criminal charges. Listen to this quote from Christian Dawkins. So again, this isn't a wiretap. This is Christian Dawkins on camera discussing Will Wade. Quote, just the audacity. You've got to take your hat off to him, man. Not only didn't get charged for anything, not only did the government have all of this information and evidence and nothing was happening on a criminal level, he also basically just said, F you to the NCAA and the university he worked for, and he still got to keep his job and make millions of dollars. It's like the perfect storm. Will Wade is definitely an effing gangster for what he did, end quote. So this publishes, the HBO documentary is going to air later this month, and a lot of LSU fans are biting their fingernails again. I want to be clear. I want to be very clear today with where I stand because my position on this hasn't changed today from where it was a year ago and likely won't change after I watch this documentary in a few weeks. So I want to be clear. Number one, I am not absolving Will Wade or LSU of wrongdoing. I am not saying nothing happened. This is all baloney. I'm not Baghdad Bob here. The infidels are on the run. Nothing to see. That's not me, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that as of now, there's nothing new. What we have is circumstantial evidence and the word of a convicted felon. Uh, Let's look at the Nas Reed piece. Nas Reed is not on that call. It's two men discussing Nas Reed. The Arizona coach says, we're not even recruiting him. On the record, Nas Reed at the Combine last year was asked about this, and on the record, Nas Reed said, quote, it didn't happen, there was no deal, end quote. So Will Wade says, I never had dealings with Christian Dawkins for players. Nas Reed said, it didn't happen. There was no deal. You have neither of them on tape discussing that, being Reed or Wade discussing that. You have the coach of another school and a, and a felon discussing it. And now a, fe- a convicted felon is basically his word against the other two. I'm sorry, that's just not enough for me. Go to Javante Smart, the strong-ass offer. Okay. Will Wade is on tape saying something about a strong-ass offer. You can choose to believe if that's about money or whatever it may be. We all have our druthers. What I also know is that both Javante Smart and his family met with, before the SEC tournament last year, both LSU compliance administrators and the NCAA. And he was allowed to continue playing. So the principal involved in the, quote, strong-ass offer met with administrators, compliance, the NCAA, and they said, okay, you can go play. Clearly, something happened in that conversation that led them to believe it's okay if he continues his career. 
because LSU, I don't think, would continue playing someone they thought would be ineligible and then have to forfeit every game they played. The optics of this are bad. I'm not denying that. It looks terrible. But where is the proof? We have seen so many cases in NCAA history of things where it looked really bad. And guys were allowed to continue playing. Cam Newton, at the top of the list for me. Now you get Auburn, get Auburn fans riled up on this and they'll come to the defense of Cam Newton. But Cecil Newton, Cam Newton's father, was soliciting a quarter million dollar payment for his son's commitment to play. Do I think Cam Newton got paid by Auburn? Yes, I do. Can anybody prove it? Apparently not, because he played, won a national title, won a Heisman. He's been in the NFL for a decade now. Good on him. You won. Johnny Manziel is on video in a Las Vegas hotel room, surrounded by gobs of memorabilia, which he is autographing. Do you think Johnny Manziel was autographing all of that memorabilia out of the goodness of his heart? I don't think so. I think Johnny Manziel got paid handsomely to do that. Can anybody prove it? No. So Johnny Manziel missed like the first half of the, the Rice game, the first game of the season or something like that. And we all went about our lives. And Johnny Manziel played that season, and Johnny Manziel was a first-round draft pick and made a lot of money, and he's probably blown it all now, but whatever. Former Alabama defensive lineman D-liner was on social media fanning wads of cash. He then deleted the post. Do I think D-liner got paid by somebody? Yes, I do. Has anybody been able to prove it? No, they haven't. Again, the optics look bad. There are tons of situations in the history of college football, where the uh, college athletics, where the optics are bad, where you couldn't prove something. And this is another one of those instances. This HBO documentary is going to drop later this month. In a couple of weeks, it'll be... It'll air. It'll be the the regurgitation and unearthing of the same, literally the same exact conversation with nothing new added to it. And we'll all just go about our lives. So that's where, I, just to be clear again, where I stand on the whole Will Wade, HBO, Wiretap, FBI, Christian Dawkins stuff. I'm not saying nothing happened. What I'm saying is, you have no evidence to prove it, and you have people on the record saying very different things. Who do you choose to believe? I. If you want me to condemn someone, I'm going to need something stronger than the than the word of a convicted felon. Wrapping up another edition of the Locked On LSU podcast, your team every day. If you would do so, please subscribe. Just a uh, giant help to us uh, as we make it through this time. And we'll be here. Um, our plan is to be here every day throughout the duration of uh, of all this uncertainty to give you something to to listen to and hopefully take your, your mind off of things for a brief while anyway. How about uh, NFL free agency officially began on Wednesday and a few former Tigers um, have new or are looking for new destinations. Uh, safety Eric Reed, who spent the last couple of seasons with Carolina, he was cut by the Panthers, so Eric Reed is now a free agent. Michael Brockers, we told you a couple days ago, signed a big contract to move from uh, L.A. out to Baltimore. He joins the Ravens. Uh, Trey Turner crossing countries in the other direction. His trade to the Los Angeles Chargers is now official. And speaking of offensive linemen, how about a tip of the cap to Andrew Whitworth? 38 years old, 14-year veteran, and he has re-upped on a three-year deal to stay in L.A. that's worth more than $10 million per season, that means Andrew Whitworth 
now has signed the richest contract in NFL history for a player over 35 that's not a quarterback. So congrats to Andrew Whitworth, whose career earnings now are approaching $100 million, but he's earned it. 14-year veteran, apparently not done yet, as he'll continue on in Los Angeles with the Rams. That's going to do it for us here. When we're done, be sure to tell your smart speaker play Locked On SEC. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest from the Southeastern Conference and also with the NFL and free agency as it pertains to former LSU Tigers. We'll look forward to that. Until then, Locked On LSU, your team every day.